very blessed to um, be able to have some guest speakers of extremely high quality. And uh, I'm sure uh, almost all of you will know um, my mum and dad, Don and Lorraine. Um, as I think back on their lives, I'm, I'm in awe about what, what they've done and the adventures they've had. And I kind of look at my life a little bit and go, man, I kind of haven't uh, <laughs> gone to, into the deepest, darkest Africa and, and I've been missionaries. But um, yeah, we're very grateful for you uh, coming along, Mum and Dad and, and Dad, to minister to us. Uh, and in the form of a sermon and, and also communion. So if you'd like to come up, Dad. Oh, the reading. That's right. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Dee. Would you like to come for me? Have you switched it off? Yeah. Oh, she switched it off. Yeah, it's gone. I figured that one. <laughs> We have two readings today. The first one is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Living as those made alive in Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish, admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The second reading is from Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 45. A tree and its fruits. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from barbers. Good people bring good things out of the good stored up in their hearts, and evil bring evil things out of the evil stored up in their hearts. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Thank you, Dean. I'll leave that one up there. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Graham. Thank you for your welcome. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all on this uh, beautiful morning. And uh, I was just thinking about that uh, reading from the gospel about picking figs. I was out picking figs this morning. <laughs> Very nice too. Well, <clears throat> I've been asked to give a presentation on Lent. And I'm not sure what Lent would mean to you, but I think... If you talk to the average Joe Bloggs about Lent, they'll probably think you wanted to borrow something off of them or um, you want something back that, that uh, they'd lent you. They probably have, wouldn't have a clue what we're talking about. But to us in the traditional church, Lent is a period of 40 days that precede Easter. And to some of us, this is really familiar, but I, I'm presuming that some of you don't know much about it at all. So first of all, why 40 days? Well, there is a precedent in the scriptures. You remember that Moses was 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain receiving the law from God. And Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights uh, at the time after his baptism. 
um, when he was uh, driven into the wilderness by the Spirit uh, to be tempted. So, okay, what is Lent? What is it? Well, from about 350 AD, it was recognised in the Eastern Church, that is the church in the Middle East where it all started, as a time for preparation and to focus on the suffering, the death and the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it was a time of self-examination, fasting, prayer, self-denial and devotion. So when you read up on the practices of the early church, they varied very widely over the centuries from times when there was very strong discipline where people were expected to go without food or even water for long periods of time and other times it was almost forgotten and then uh, became strong again. When I was a, a young child, I remember hearing about Lent from my older sisters who went to church. I went to Sunday school and we heard that you were supposed to you know, give up something. So we would give up something like chocolates, which we never got anyway, or sugar in our tea, which we weren't allowed. <laughs> so it wasn't too bad. Um, but in more recent times, one of my family members has twice fasted for 40 days. I don't recommend it. Um, I think it's uh, a little bit too rugged for the average person. Now Lent starts 40 days before Easter and the first day of Lent is called Ash Wednesday which by the way was last Wednesday so we're a week late starting really. (laughs) And the day before Ash Wednesday is called Shrove Tuesday and in the evening there's traditionally a pancake event often with pancake races or just cooking and eating pancakes and one or two of you here were probably at Forest Lake when we used to have those pancake evenings and um, yeah, it was quite fun. Now this tradition of uh, pancakes was based around the idea that appears in the Old Testament that just before on the eve of the Passover the people were to get rid of all the yeast in their house because uh, yeast uh, in the Bible is uh, symbolic with sin because a little bit of yeast makes all the bread, you know, a big mass of flour rise and so a little bit of sin can actually uh, affect the whole of our life. So before the Passover they had to get rid of all the yeast and then they had bread which was unleavened bread, bread made with no yeast at all. It was just flat. Uh, I remember my granny used to make it and um, they had roast lamb with it and uh, that was the, um, the great festival of Passover when uh, God set his people free from Egypt. So that's Shrove Tuesday. And then on Ash Wednesday <coughs> at the service, a mark is placed on the forehead of the faithful in the shape of a cross. The ashes came from palm crosses from the previous year that were burnt and mixed with a little water to make a slurry. In days gone past, it was common to see people walking around with a black cross on their forehead. <clears throat> but these days, as most people don't understand what that would be, they just comment, what's that dirty mark on your forehead? <laughs> uh, 
So those starts the 40 days of preparation for Easter. Now it must be said that not all churches practice these things. It's mainly the Eastern churches, the Orthodox Church, the Roman Catholic Church, Anglicans and Methodists that have held these practices over the centuries, but Baptists and Pentecostal churches don't. And um, I've discussed this with other pastors and they say, look, you don't need a special day to remember the suffering of Jesus. You should remember all the year. And that's true, obviously. We wouldn't want anyone to think that we just have one day when we focus on Jesus' suffering. But we do need a time, I think, when we really focus on what Jesus went through for our salvation. It's easy just to say, oh yes, Jesus died for my sins. But there's a lot more to it than that. It's, it's, um, it's a pretty heavy thing. And um, I think we need to really uh, put in time to appreciate all that Jesus has done. And I remember when I was appointed as the Vicar of Narawahi in 1989, I was amazed to find that only two of the five churches in the town had a service on Good Friday. Uh, they just didn't have a service. And I, I couldn't work it out. This is the holiest day of the year. Why wouldn't you have a service? And they said, no, it's just like any other day. And um, so people went away for the weekend, long weekend, go to the batch, have a holiday. Uh, I just really struggled with that. I thought, Good Friday and Easter Sunday are the two main festivals, that, with, along with Christmas, for the whole of the Christian calendar. And you go on holiday? Well, if it doesn't mean anything to you, why do you expect it to mean something for somebody else? So anyway... I must say that having had discussions, eventually two of the other churches had a combined service on Good Friday, and I thought that was really cool. And I must say, we all got on very well in those days in the churches. Um, I also value myself very much the three-hour devotional service on Good Friday when readings and hymns focusing on the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament and moving through the events of Easter Eve and Good Friday when Jesus was crucified is very valuable. Now, people have said to me, three hours, you must be joking. And yet when people have come to that service, they say, I'm amazed at how fast the time went because you get so absorbed into it that you don't notice the time. You're on a journey, you're going through all the events that took place. And um, personally, I found that a very, very um, helpful service. And... I'm sorry that there's very few around of those services today. Some churches also have a service on Easter Thursday, that is the day before Good Friday. Sometimes that takes the, uh, the form of foot washing, uh, as Jesus washed his disciples' feet, so they do that. Um, but we prefer to have a Passover meal with unleavened bread and roast lamb and then to have um, families and family groups uh, having an informal communion, just giving each other communion around the table. And this ties up those two great things together. God delivering his people by, uh, through the death of an innocent lamb, with blood over the doorpost to deliver them, and God's own son, the uh, wonderful Jesus, uh, who gave himself as our sacrifice. 
Now, I have contemplated Paul's words in Romans 14.5 where he says, One brother may esteem a certain day as more important than another, while others see all the days as the same. And this is the argument that we've had over the years. Um, but I don't think that Paul and the other apostles would have um, not celebrated, say, Passover or Harvest Festival. I'm sure that they would have kept the feast because that is something that you find in the writings of the New Testament. I guess as they grew away from the the church, grew away from its Jewish roots more and more, then those uh, festivals would have been dropped. But the point that Paul makes is that we should not despise one another because we see things in a different way. So if you think keeping Lent is a load of rubbish, well, be gentle with those of us who think it's important and vice versa. I don't think we should judge each other in this. It's something which uh, we come to by uh, a process of elimination and we make up our own minds. Okay, so how do we keep Lent? What do we do during Lent? Well, when I was a pastor, I encouraged the Shrove Tuesday evening by holding a pancake evening and we had a lot of fun. On Ash Wednesday, we always had a service and marked the foreheads of those who wanted to Although I must say I'm not really a great fan of that today. I think possibly the marking of the ashes is, is something which uh, maybe has passed its use by date. I also encourage people to fast and pray during Lent in a way which is appropriate to them. At my age, I appreciate the fact that many of us older folk have to take medication daily. In fact, the handful of pills keeps most of us going. <laughs> And um, to go without food would probably throw an imbalance. And just, I guess it's the same with diabetes and other things. You've got to be a bit careful when you muck up your, your, your eating patterns. So we need to be wise about that and not get carried away. But this idea of fasting or going without was a part of our upbringing. And we kids, as I said before, went without something which wasn't very serious. However, as a teenager, and this is just a little sharing on my own behalf, I had become seriously addicted to, to cigarettes and I, and I just couldn't control them. I, I would knock off and then start and knock off and start. So one year I decided to not smoke for the 40 days of Lent. I thought this would be a good thing to do. And in those days I was a bit superstitious so I dared not smoke because I thought if I did maybe God would zap me. <laughs> you know, just dong on the head or something. So I didn't smoke for 40 days. And then I thought, hey, this is good. I can go 41, 42, 43, and I kept going, and I'm still going. I've never gone back. That was when I was about, I think, 18 or 19. So I was really pleased to get rid of them. I stopped coughing up black gunk. And, um, yeah, it it, it was a very liberating experience. So I was very pleased that uh, Lent did that for me, and I thought um, there must be other uh, benefits for us in the same way. So I guess that having experienced this, I believe that it's a good practice. Not that I think now that God would zap us if we caved in, but if we practice self-control in this particular way, we can liberate ourselves from all manner of things, not just from smoking tobacco, but um, a whole wide range of things that, that worry us. And I guess for each one of you, the things you struggle with are different. There's no good me saying, oh, I struggle with this or this, but you say, oh, that's nothing to me, but I struggle with this and this. So, yeah, just take a moment to think about what would be good for you to get rid of in your life right now? What's, 
what troubles you, what niggles away at you all the time. If only I could, if only I could, sort of thing. Well, one of the main aims of fasting <clears throat> is not just that we fast, but that we use the time for prayer and Bible reading, or for doing good to other people. And that's, I think, very important. Uh, maybe catching up with someone that you really sh- should have got caught up with a long time ago, but haven't. You can use that as an aim. So we can aim to give up certain foods that we're addicted to, or alcohol, as Graham and I do. So when you're having that nice steak, you think, oh, I'd love a glass of red wine, but you're not going to have one, are you? <laughs> no. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can covenant with God to help us to keep the vow we make. Then Lent finishes on Easter Saturday, and of course Easter Sunday is the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a marked contrast from fasting and praying and abstaining as we watch with Jesus and his suffering it's all turned to joy as we remember his glorious victory over death and in the Middle East the custom is to have the equivalent of a Christmas dinner on Easter Sunday and that's something that we have maintained in our family we have a big feed with lots of trimmings I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out from now on because we're moving into a our little cottage, and we won't have. The, we'll have to go to Sarah's. And you, you listening, Sarah? Yeah. Then a big feed with lots of trimmings next Easter, <laughs> and of course our first glass of wine for 40 days. That's sweet, isn't it? Mm. And I think too, going without alcohol is a good check to see that you're not becoming addicted to too much wine, like Paul says in the scriptures. Now, you may be thinking that all this is just a lot of old hat, and I guess in some ways it could be. However, let's be honest. The level of morality amongst Christians these days is nothing to write home about. Let's be honest. Over and over again we hear of Christians, including pastors and some high-flying level ministry leaders, falling from grace. It's all too common. It's far too easy to get lulled into a false sense of security, especially if you attend a church that only preaches grace and love and forgiveness and not discipline. Lorraine and I remind each other often that the Bible teaches that starting out in the race is nowhere near as important as finishing well. And at our age we keep telling ourselves that you've got to finish well. When we feel discouraged or tired or fed up, we say, you have to finish well. In other words, keep alert, keep disciplined, don't get drawn away with Satan's lies. Our pastor Michael reminded us the other day that Martin Luther once said, Satan is a good swimmer. He gets washed away in baptism, but he manages to swim back. (laughs) And I think that's true. The, um, The temptation never ceases, does it? So in the passage we read from Colossians chapter 3, Paul says that we must put to death the earthly desires that controlled us before we became believers. And he sets out three areas of life that we have to watch. The first one is uh, one I've just mentioned, sexual immorality. It seems to be the area where many Christians fall, especially leaders. I guess some leaders get an inflated, inflated sense of their own importance 
especially when people give them adulation. We as Christians are to be pure, and we need to guard ourselves, particularly in this area. Note Paul says to put to death those evil desires. And Jesus invites us to take up our cross and follow him. And if we do that, that is, we die to self and to sin, we will not fall into that trap. Note too that Paul says that greed is a form of idolatry. And in our culture today, it's all too easy to see that at work. Secondly, the area of anger and bitterness. And uh, <clears throat> i just like to... Uh, read that again from uh, chapter, uh, chapter 9 verse 8 I can find it lost my place completely here. Oh, that's Colossians. I'm looking in the wrong place. Sorry about that. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. So, there it is. Um, what comes out of us sometimes is not very pretty, and uh, we are warned here not to speak. Uh, harshly against others and particularly um, not to lie to each other. And the third area is the area of forgiveness in verse 12. Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Sometimes it's very hard to forgive others, isn't it? I'm uh, talking in terms of um, people who have done really serious harm to you. But right through the scriptures, the Lord says that we have to forgive because he forgave us. And if we don't forgive others, then we will not be forgiven. So forgiveness is a very key, key issue. And these three areas are areas which can blow a church up. So we need to be very vigilant about those three areas. And um, so Lent is a time when we take seriously these things and put them into practice. By setting aside our normal routine and fasting and praying, we can bring our lives more into line with what God calls us to. Yes, you can laugh at Lent, you can ignore it, but if you are serious about godliness, if you're serious about pleasing God, if you're serious about finishing the race well, then take Lent seriously and do what St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I just want to uh, read that to you. Chapter 9, verse 24. <clears throat> 
Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets a prize? Run in such a way as you get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it for a crown that will last forever. Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. There's a lot there, I think. Um, in today's church, we, we hear a lot about being accepted and, and so on. It's almost as if we don't have to do anything, but that's not true. We have to be disciplined. We have to uh, really be like Paul in training, where we, we keep control of our life, keep control of our bodies. And um, I think Lent is a very good discipline, a very good time uh, to spend really seeking God. And, and I know it's uncomfortable. I know, you know, we don't like interrupting our routines or going without food or anything else, but it's worth it. I think it's a good discipline and uh, I just commend that to you. And I'm not saying you should do it or you must do it or anything like that, but I think it's a good thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be Christians who finish the race well. Not those who just start out well or uh, collapse halfway. Help us to be in training. As Paul was, he didn't just... uh, uh, aimlessly uh, beat around the bush but he disciplined himself so that at the end of the day he would still be standing and that he would receive that glorious crown that you've promised to all who finish the race well. So help us to use this Lenten time uh, in a way which is helpful to us, not, not just so that it's a burden but so that it helps us to be disciplined and keep control of our lives so that we don't give Satan the opportunity to drag us down as we've seen him drag so many others. So do bless us, Lord, and help us in this, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Just read on.